of Almighty God to come and to respond in worship. Welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. We're glad that you can join us in person and glad for those who are joining us online. Uh, but God has called us to come and it's good to be reminded that he is the one that's made us and redeemed us in Christ and we can respond to God's goodness. As we begin, I want to share just a few announcements uh, in your order of worship. Uh, inside the front cover, there's information about the children's classes today and uh, information about the service if you have questions. Uh, then all the way in the back, the last two pages are announcements and things that are happening in the life of the church. So I encourage you to take a look at that. Um, a couple things to highlight is that the season of Advent uh, begins next Sunday, the 28th of November, and Advent, some of us might be familiar with that, some of that might be new, but it is the season of the church in which we remember Christ's coming, his birth, but also we look ahead to when he'll come again to make all things new. And so it's a time both of waiting and longing, but also of anticipation and hope. And so I encourage you to, to hope, check out, you'll see in the back of the order, uh, some special events that are coming up later in December, discussion group and different events. Uh, also, there is uh, Advent bags by the entryway. If you come in, uh, the white table kind of off to your, your right, there's bags there with Advent wreaths. And so if you'd like to have one of those at home that you can uh, light the candles um, in your home, it'd be great for you to pick those up. Uh, there's those that have a wreath and candles. If you already have a wreath, there's one that just have the candles and devotional. So... Feel free to grab that on the way out. You'll see it uh, there at the white table, and we'd love for everyone to take one home to your, to your house. So um, at this time, uh, before I invite Rob up for the deacon announcement, I want to go ahead and invite the children to be dismissed. All those children that are heading down to the preschool class or children's worship, they can make their way to the back of the uh, sanctuary, to the door there, and they'll make, go to head down to the, to the basement, and Melinda's downstairs to meet them. Hey, Rob, go ahead. Um, just a few short announcements regarding the Thanksgiving baskets, more logistical in nature. One, uh, it's the last day to turn in your basket. So if you don't have it here, uh, you can drop it off to the church office by some point today, some point tonight. Um, if you do have your baskets here, you can find me. Uh, will back there, uh, Monica, um, and we will transport your basket for you over to the church office after church. So if you have your basket here, you can find one of us and just let us know where you put it, and we will load it up in our car and take it over for you. If not, you'll have to have it to the church office by tonight. Second announcement related to that is we are one or two baskets short, so there is still an online, I believe the online thing is still up that you could go on the, the website and donate uh, towards a basket uh, to help cover the cost for those. Um, or you could give a check if you have a check on you as well today uh, to cover the few baskets that were short. So thank you. Thanks, Rob. If you do need to make arrangements about dropping that off, this, you could always talk to me but we're thankful for being able to minister to the Waters School community in this way. So thank you for everyone who's participated. Well, God has called us to, to come, and let's take a moment of quiet as we prepare ourselves to come before God in worship. Good morning. Our call to worship is from Psalm 97. If you'll stand with us, we'll sing it together. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, give thanks to his holy name. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, give thanks to his holy name. The Lord reigns. be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees the trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. Give thanks to His holy name. 
heavens proclaim his righteousness and all the people see his glory. All worshipers of images are put to shame who make their boasts in worthless idol worship him. All of all gods worship in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. The Lord raiseth the earth, rejoice, give thanks to his holy name. The Lord raiseth the earth, rejoice, give thanks to his holy name. turn now to our invocation. We'll, we'll receive our new members here shortly. Um, let's pray together. Almighty and gracious God, you have called us out of our sin and wandering, out of our searching into your covenant family to be your people and, and to worship you. And we come and worship this morning, as we always do, through the, the self-giving and the gracious invitation of your Son. Make us aware, Father, of your abiding presence this morning. And God, we pray that you would meet us wherever you find us this morning. Meet those of us who feel unfilled, who feel worn down by our work. Be our refuge. Give us faith to, to enter your sustaining rest despite the noise and the volume of our to-do list, despite the pressures and of performance at work, meet us with your kindness and grace in the investment and the exhaustion of being parents, of being good neighbors, caring for those around us who require our time. Meet us in these places, we pray, with your wonderful and surprise and grace. And Lord, we, uh, we are also just mindful of not only things in, that are happening in our church, but in, in the world. We continue to pray for Haiti. We ask for your, for your protection, for relief. We, we ask that uh, you would restrain the wickedness that, that, that is going on with, with people being taken advantage of. And so, Lord, we just pray for them. We pray that you would work and bring refuge and life there. We also just are mindful of just the events, um, events around justice, and, and we pray, God, just for, uh, for those who are especially impacted, those who are feeling uh, overwhelmed and, and despairing about uh, uh, how justice is, is existing and played out in our history and time as a, as a country. And so we just pray for those who are, who are there. Would your presence be with them? So God, we seek you in this and we pray uh, for these things in the name of Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Well, we turn now to our, conf our confession and assurance, a time to acknowledge with God our need and our sin. 
and we anticipate, we do so anticipating his mercy and his grace. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Lord, we pray that the fruit of your Spirit may grow in us. God of all creation, your love is patient, and we pray for the patience to love others as you have loved us. Forgive us for the times this week when we are quick-tempered and angry. Forgive us for the times when we were discouraged and gave up patiently waiting for you. Let's take a moment of quiet personal confession. Father, we confess our sin, knowing that Jesus, who was rich in glory, became for, poor for our sake, so that in him alone we might become rich in mercy and grace. And so we give thanks in his name. Amen. Let's stand now to hear the words of assurance that come to us from Psalm 32. Would you join with me? I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Our Old Testament reading for today is Psalm 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. And the New Testament reading is Romans 15, verses 1 through 7. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. 
For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Good to be with all of you this morning. Uh, we are finishing our sermon series this fall where we have been walking with Jesus and the disciples in the upper room. Jesus has been sharing with the disciples some of his final words before his death and before his resurrection. He's giving them insight into what he will accomplish and what his purpose has been here on earth for his people. And part of what he's teaching in this moment for the disciples and for us is how we will follow him in his mission and in his kingdom work. And right now, at the very end of this, he ends with a prayer. And so we're going to look at the end of his prayer this today. So will you please turn with me to John 17, 20 through 26. Jesus continues praying, saying, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Let us pray. Gracious, merciful God, Lord, we thank you for your word and that we can come again here as your people to hear you speak to us. I ask that you would be with the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts gathered here. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Well, it was Thanksgiving Day in 1996. There was a five-year-old little boy. He was sitting in the garage on a, one of those big paint buckets. The garage door was open, and he's looking down his driveway, and he sees his three friends' houses. And as the afternoon moves on, he's observing grandparents and aunts and uncles and friends all gathering into their houses, parking alongside the road, moving into the driveway. And he himself is looking at an empty driveway. No one is coming, no aunts and uncles, just a mom and dad who is overwhelmed by two little ones and one on the way. And he begins to cry because something is missing. Something's not quite right. Well, that little boy was, was me, <laughs> and I didn't fully understand why our grandparents couldn't make it. I was just five. My parents did the best way to describe it, and we couldn't travel because, like I said, my siblings were really young, and my mom was pregnant at the time. But in that moment, I felt a deep sense of loss, of, of connection, and I don't think it was just fear of missing out. I think I was longing for something more. 
of being connected and being in relationship with those that I love. I don't know how that story strikes you, but I imagine it in many ways, whether wherever we find ourselves, we might have that little boy and girl inside of us, longing and crying for connection. And I think that this longing for connection, togetherness, harmony, it's important to Jesus, so much so that he brings it before God in prayer. And that's where we find ourselves in this passage. Here in this passage, we have seen, we're listening in to Jesus offering up prayer in the presence of his disciples. Jesus sits with them in the upper room where they have celebrated the Passover feast. And it's here that Jesus is going to leave his disciples with some final words before he is betrayed and condemned and put to death upon the cross. He opens his prayer asking that God would glorify himself and accomplish the work that he has sent him into the world to do, to bear the full weight of sin and death upon his shoulders, to bring freedom to his people, to you and to me. He also prays for his disciples. He asks that God would protect them, even though he will no longer be with them in person. And you would think that Jesus could have just kind of wrapped up his prayer there, or knowing that he's going to the cross, he could have asked for more strength to bear what was before him. But thank goodness he doesn't stop there. Jesus actually ends his prayer praying for us, praying for his people here and now and throughout time and space. Jesus prays for those who will come to know him, believe them, and place their faith in his words. He prays for the church that will come. He prays for 21st century Christians who live here in Chicago, Illinois, during a great time of polarization and upheaval and uncertainty and injustice. And I think if we could just take a moment to dwell there for a minute. This is Jesus praying for us. He takes a moment to lift us up before God. His concerns are not just only for what he will accomplish and do and for those who are sitting in the room around him, but he is mysteriously, mysteriously praying for us. So as we look at this passage, I want us to consider just two things. What is it that Jesus prays for? What is he praying for us? And then lastly, at the end, we'll look at what does this mean for us today? So as Chad has mentioned before in the past, oftentimes when we come to scripture, repetition is not just Jesus mumbling over words or he's wanting to emphasize something in his prayer here. And so three times within this passage, Jesus prays that his people and those who will come to believe in him will be one, that they might be connected, that they might be unified, that division would not characterize his followers. It does not take much to imagine that once Jesus departs, his disciples could easily fall into division and strife that this could build up within the community of believers that follow him. So he spends time praying for their unity, for our connection, and for our togetherness. Each time Jesus prays for their unity, he emphasizes something a little different. He first says that they may all be one, as the Father is in me and I in the Father. Then he says, be one as the Father and the Son are one. And then he ends with that we might become perfectly one. So what is the nature of this unity? Well, this, this unity is not just agreeing on just a few things that we all kind of think is common, but the basis of this unity is founded in a relationship. Time and time again through Jesus' prayer, and especially here, Jesus emphasizes his relationship with God the Father. It's grounded in the unity between the Father and the Son. What is this connection? Well, in some ways, it would, we could go on and on about the mystery of the Trinity and the relationship between the Father and the Son. 
But I think two things to emphasize would be their mutual submission to one another and their sacrificial love. You see, time and time again throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus often emphasizes to the disciples and those who often challenge him in what he's saying and doing, and Jesus time and time again says, I am doing nothing that my God, the Father, does not want me to do. I am perfectly following him and his words. Jesus does not act out his own agenda, his own purpose, or seek out his own gratification. Rather, he seeks to submit to the will of his Father and does not act apart from it. But it's not just a one-way relationship. The Father, time and time again, comes to the Son and reminds him that I will glorify you, that I will raise you up, that I will vindicate you, and that I will glorify you in all of the world. See, this is not just a, con a contract. This isn't even a relationship that we might experience with our own parents. It's based on something extremely deep. This union is based on divine love between the Godhead. But it's not just this nature of sacrificial love and mutual submission that we're bring to hear about what this unity is. This unity isn't just the end goal itself. This unity actually has a purpose. The reason why Jesus prays for our unity as a people and as a church is that as we are one, as we are one people united together in Christ, our unity and our oneness is a sign to the world that God has sent his son, that God has sent his son. As the world looks upon those who confess Christ and how they respond in love to one another, the world begins to see that God is doing something here, that God is active in moving and transforming and renewing all things to renew and restore those broken relationships and friendships and marriages to reconcile the oppressed with the oppressors, to seek reconciliation where there is injustice and wrongs done, especially against those who are weak and vulnerable. See, the purpose of this unity is not just for unity's sake, but it's so that God might reveal himself fully in this world and what he has come and will continue to do and accomplish. It can be tempting to see unity and harmony, which is something we all kind of desire or long for, the sense of peace, as kind of the ultimate purpose and goal. And as a result, when we desire and want that over and above all things, our pursuit can become mixed with mixed motivations and the means of how we might obtain that harmony and connection. And I think there's kind of two, two downfalls that we could fall into. One is to see that only unity, there can only be unity if others conform to my values and my goals or to the right values, the right truths, and the right goals. Unity is accomplished when there's a transformation or when we can force or even manipulate unity. But that's not the case. The other downfall could be if, if unity, if, if we only find unity, if we strip everything down, we strip down all beliefs and convictions and faith, and we sort of water everything down to a common denomination. But that, too, is not authentic because it doesn't allow us to come and bring ourselves into the room. Neither of these are satisfying, and they don't really lead to authentic connection between those who are very different from one another. As we talk about unity, it can come across as, yeah, that sounds great, that sounds wonderful, but let's just be honest, that's not our ex everyday experience. This sounds wonderful, but we often find that our commonalities and our connections are met with division and frustration and misunderstanding. We're drawing near to the holidays, and I know for many of us, there can just be challenges in our families, especially in light of the last few years where we thought that there were connections and commonalities, we begin to see that there's actually something much deeper there 
that is divided and broken. We might have even experienced this within our own marriages. Or as our kids begin to grow up, we begin to pull apart. Or there's change in the way that we are relating with each other. And we even encounter this with friends. These aren't even just frustrations that we feel within our own relationships. This is what we feel as a society. The outcomes of trial verdicts are dreaded now because they remind us of not only past wounds that haven't been healed, but they also remind us of a sense of uneasiness that things are just still not right and the isolation and the distance that we often experience in our relationships with each other and the fear that sometimes we carry if we say the wrong thing or the wrong remark then we'll be discounted altogether or lumped into a category. This isn't anything new that's under the sun, though. Scripture time and time again shows that division and unity and strife has been commonplace. Genesis 3, we see a disconnect from God. As our sin has come in, we are broken and separated from him. We also see that between man and woman, male and female, a brokenness of unity between the genders. We see this within our families, Cain and Abel, brother killing brother. We see this in Genesis 11, where there all of a sudden is no longer unity across race and languages, but there's brokenness and suspicion. We see this in the people of God, where the kingdoms literally tear themselves apart based on the way that they worship and who they align themselves with politically. I can't take credit for this. Pastor Chad and I, Chad showed this to me. Right before Jesus' prayer in chapter 16, Jesus says this, before the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered each to his own house and will leave me alone. Even now, as Jesus is praying, his disciples will leave him. They will be scattered and they will go isolated to their own homes. Isolation comes when we are scattered from God and from each other. And yet it is the work of Christ and his death and resurrection that brings the scattered back together and draws us out of places of guilt and shame and isolation and hiding and draws us back. We see this in Ephesians 2 where Paul reminds us that it is in Christ that we find unity. Christ is pulling together his people. He's tearing down walls of hostility and division and strife to make us one again. But this unity is not just pragmatic. It's not just a practical way for God to carry out his mission in this world. God does not just use the unity of his people as just some sort of marketing strategy to prove that his word is true. God's very heartbeat is to unite and connect that which is broken, that which is divided, and make it new again. But we are invited into this divine love. God's mission and purpose for the church is not only to bear witness to the world about his reuniting work, but that we might experience his abundant love the same love that the Father and the Son have for one another, this love of dwelling together. Jesus expresses his desires for us in this. He ends his prayer with these words, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Throughout the Old Testament, there's this idea that God comes to dwell with his people whether it's in the tabernacle or in the temple or even with his people in exile, God dwells with his people. And in Christ, he has come to us and dwells with us. But it's not just that he's present, it is his love has come. His love comes and draws near to us. So what do we do about this? How do we process this unity when so often we encounter division and strife. Maybe one way to look at it is at this same table, right after Jesus is praying, he will be betrayed 
by one he has done ministry with, by one he eats with. At this table sits one that will betray him. And yet Jesus' constant offer to him, even up into this moment, is one of hospitality and one of welcome, even in the face of an ultimate betrayal. Jesus invites us into this posture of love, of extending where there's division and strife. It doesn't mean that it won't hurt and it won't be painful and it won't be raw, but Jesus invites us into this as those who were once enemies. So what does this mean for us today as we, as we close here? As I reflect on this prayer and the unity that the Son and the Father have with one another, I think it invites us into this, that we are one in Christ. We are one in Christ whether we like it or not. Sometimes these divisions and differences we can, can be kind of heavy and much at times. So instead, we might make light of them or mock them or ignore those who are different from us or, or how they believe or their thoughts. We might just shrug them off just not to deal with it. And yet that is not how Jesus comes to us. His desire is to deal with the brokenness, with the division, and to bring healing. Another thing um, to be mindful of is putting aside our personal preferences for others. Just as the Father and the Son mutually submit to one another and sacrificially love towards one another, we are invited into this posture with each other. Pastor Brian Gott, he's a, he's a pastor in Jackson, Mississippi at a multi-racial uh, racial church, multi-ethnic church, and he says this about church unity. He says, church unity is a process whereby people from a variety of different walks of life lay aside personal preferences and come together to accomplish mission and vision. It is considering one another ahead of ourselves and focusing on a shared task. I like his words there. This doesn't mean that we don't have personal convictions and they, that they don't matter, but it invites us to take a hard look at what is the source of our personal convictions. Unless our beliefs and convictions find their center around Jesus and his mission and that sacrificial love, then it, we might need to take a pause and take a look at ourselves and put away our preferences to draw near to others. And then lastly, I think Jesus ends on this note, and maybe it's the obvious one, but if Jesus is willing to pray for unity, then we should be able to pray for unity. Jesus invites us to pray for this same sort of love, the same love that the Father and the Son have for each other. He prays for his people, and we are invited to lift up our voices and pray for this as well. When we encounter those places of division within our families, our marriages, our friendships, our society, that is actually the place and the time to draw near to God in prayer. He invites us to pray for these things, that we might join our prayers with Jesus' prayer, that we might become perfectly one, like the Father and the Son. Amen. Let me pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this good news, this word, that your emphasis for us is to be one people, united in love with you. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Eric. Speaking of unity, it's a great chance for us to welcome our new members. So those who are joining the church today, I invite you to come forward. You can stand here in front of the communion table. This is back on page four, if you're looking for the place where it has the names and the vows. <laughs> Presbyterians like to do things in order, but we're, going, we're switching things around today, you know. So uh, this is an exciting 
time in the church, it's always wonderful to receive new members, and so we're very thankful uh, for this. Thankful for the faith that this group has displayed and your participation in the life of the church and worship and serving and in fellowship. And so just real briefly, just a reminder to all of us what this means to, to take these vows is first, it's the public confession of faith in Christ, that the, the seven of you are have all been baptized, and they met with elders to affirm again their faith, and this is a chance for them publicly to say that this is what they believe. And so it's an encouragement to us as well to remember our confession or to re reflect for ourselves what it is that we believe, a chance to again live out our baptism in Christ, that we belong to him. It's also, though, a statement that not only do they believe in Christ, but they're going to express and live out their faith here as part of this church community. And so this is a wonderful gift for us, and it's a chance for us to remember that membership is not just profession of faith, but it is uh, entering into fellowship with one another, as we just heard in our passage, this lit sharing of our life together. And so as they profess their faith and say this is where they want to practice it, our role as existing members already is to receive them, to welcome them into fellowship, and to continue in mission together. So this is a great gift and a blessing. And so let me take a moment just to uh, introduce them, and then I'll ask them these, uh, the, the vows that you see here. So you see their names here, but this is Kayla, Adam, I guess I should stand by the mic, sorry. This is Mary and Tommy. In the middle there is, is Tim and Sarah Grace and Justin. And so if you have not had a chance to meet them, I encourage you to do so after the service, or if you already know them, say, you know, welcome, and that you're excited that they're members uh, here today. So let me ask you these uh, five vows, and that you can answer these together in affirmative. That you, you ask, I ask these in the presence of your church and also Almighty God. Do you acknowledge yourselves to be sinners in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure, and without hope save in his sovereign mercy? And do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior of sinners? And do you receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he's offered in the gospel? Do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as becomes the followers of Christ? And do you promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability? And do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church and promise to study its purity and peace? Amen. We have much to be thankful for. It's a wonderful thing to, to join together with you in faith. So, so we're very thankful. As a way of our responding and welcoming them, I invite you to stand and that we can join together in this congregational welcome. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we as the congregation of Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church receive and welcome you to its worship, work, and fellowship. We pray that all of us, being united in faith, may grow into the likeness of Christ, Savior. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to Greet them on your behalf, but I encourage you to say hello after the service. Except that you should stand again.
all joy and give us peace in your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us by your Spirit to abound in hope as we join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. Well, Jesus invites us to this table that he has set for us, to this uh, Sabbath meal. And the thing about this meal, that, that about this invitation to this table, is that it isn't loaded up with heavy expectations. It is, no, this meal is for the weary. It is for those who feel empty. It is, it is, it is the nourish, it is, it is for those who need to be nourished in their faith. This meal is making us healthy. It's making us whole. It's full with flourishing. And this meal is for those of us who know, who know for real that God's grace, his love cannot be shaken. It is for those who know that at the end of their work, that there is no more work, but a meal full of rest and life and redemption. So if you believe that, if you have in repentance and faith turned to Christ, then this table is for you. Come and eat and be nourished by his grace. Well, if you have a communion cup, uh, you can begin to take that out and open it. Um, if you need one, just raise your hand and we'll over here, we'll bring you, bring you one. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this table. We pray that you would set it apart from a common use to a sacred and holy one. That you would come and by your spirit meet us and nourish us in our faith through this bread and this wine. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks to Jesus, he took the bread and he broke it, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, this, this, this is the, this, this cup is the new, the, ah, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. For as long as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as long as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Christ's body was broken. Let us eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. Well, let's stand together to, as we respond to the table with our, our prayer and our song. Lord Jesus Christ, you have taken our reproach upon yourself and have given us your word, which knits us together as a community of faith. Help us to welcome one another and to live in harmony as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Christ has died. Well, we do have a time to, in our worship, to offer our gifts and tithings to God. Uh, there is a, a plate in the back, or if you'd like to give online, there's some options as well. Let's stand together for our doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings. 
before we go, please receive this benediction from our Lord God. May the love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the beautiful fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all forevermore. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ.